in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. Three brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today are my good friends and co-hosts, Brian Fry and Chad Robinson. Brian, how are you doing? Good evening, everybody. I'm doing just fine. I hope you are. And Chad, how are you doing, sir? It's a good night to talk about horror. It is. But before (laughs) we get into that, guess whose birthday it is? Crickets. Oh, man. It's our birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Retro Movie Round Table. There you go. I know. I think our podcast just killed itself. Yeah. No, No, it's. uh... We we will not have a second birthday. (laughs) That's right. We have been on for a whole year. We've we survived uh, co-hosts dropping out and replacements and uh, several several guests. We're at over two thousand five hundred downloads at this point, and all the people who hop on Facebook and say they love us, and we really appreciate that. The reviews and stuff people have given us on itunes are super helpful because that's helped other people find the show we're getting downloads from other countries and stuff like this south america and europe and i i had no expectations when we started this and we've come so far so uh and we're going to keep going farther and so uh just a small pat on the back we did it we made it a year and uh looking forward to a, a year two so uh blow out your candle brian and chad <laughs> Never could get the hang of that. So, uh, Brian, why don't you break the ice for us today? Sure. We're just going to start with our standard, uh, what was the last movie you saw? Chad? I saw this list. Actually, Russell sent me a list of top horror movies from the 2010 era, and Kill List was at the top, and I hadn't heard of it. So I, I watched Kill List. Can't go into a whole lot, but it was memorable. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Rust? Uh, the movie Tag I got from Redbox. Oh, that's so much fun. Yeah. I love that movie. It's more fun than it ever should be. You know, that's based on a bunch of guys from Spokane. Yeah. Yeah, they had them at the end. They're all a lot older than uh, the guys in the movie, but it looks fun. I would, I would want to yeah. play that game with you guys. I don't know what their travel, I don't know how their travel budget possibly supports their game, but uh, I admire the fact that they do that. So, uh, it's if you're not familiar with the movie out there, it's based on a group of tight knit friends, and they have a game of tag going that's been going for a long time and never stops. And they drop in on each other in unexpected locations and surprising people in audacious ways is a big part of the game, and uh, they it's a lifestyle for them. And it's a way of keeping in touch with their friends and stuff. So, uh, it's a really fun movie. Got some sentimental parts in there too. So, uh, as well as it's just 
I wouldn't say it's like laugh out loud, ha 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 funny, but it's just like, man, that's really neat. And the fact that it's based on a true thing is, uh, it's feel good. So I, I, Fry recommended it to me and so did my mom. And so I checked it out and I liked it. So thank you for your recommendation. No problem. That's what I'm here for. What movie did you last see, Fry? Uh, yeah, I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yesterday. So if you want to go with the, the, the last, are we talking last new movie I saw? No, no, no. So you return to this one pretty frequently, it seems like. Well, they had a sale, all three in a bundle on iTunes for like nine ninety nine. Uh-huh. So I was like, why, yes, I would love to pay for that again. Um, <laughs> I've got it on normal DVD somewhere around the house. And I was like, you know what? Never heard to have a digital copy of something this quality. So went ahead and snagged it. And I am talking about the 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles not the Michael Bay monstrosities. <laughs> I I would defend Michael Bay on that one and say I'd like his better, but that's uh I would boo. vote you off this podcast. Boo. Yes, boo this man. Anyway, so first question. What is a horror movie that truly unsettled you? Chad. The movie Creep. It, the entire movie is very unsettling, and you're just left with kind of a feeling of sadness. Solid. Solid. Russ? I'm going to say that, for me, it was one of the early ones that I saw. I said that horror movies weren't that amazing, and they were all dumb, and none of them were that scary. And, you know, this is probably just an ignorant point of view that I have as a young kid. They're just, like, maybe even being afraid of them, so you write them off as being dumb. And my mom noticed that The Exorcist happened to be coming out in the theaters at that point, and uh, she said, this one's really good, and it is really scary. And so I went to the theater with my mom to see uh, The Exorcist on a summer day on its re-release, uh, anniversary re-release, and some probably about... 13, 14, maybe four, I think 14. And man, oh man, that, that chilled me. It's, it is still the scariest movie I've ever seen. And the fact that it's a child in danger and, you know, a parent trying to take care of them, it just, it, it shook me to my core. It's just so incredibly well made. You're going to hear more about that tonight. So, um, yeah, for me, The Exorcist, shook me in a way that I'm not sure another movie is going to shake me at this point, but I'm always open. I'm always open to the experience for a long time. I felt very anesthetized to a lot of horror. Like I, I am more of the, you can startle me horror, but I don't get that deep seated. Like this bothered me for a while afterwards, sort of horror until I saw the movie from hell about Jack the Ripper. And I watched that movie and I was like angry for a month after I saw that movie, just an angry (laughs) person. And I just realized it just came from how unsettling that film was. And yeah, man, I remember leaving the theater. I was with uh, John and Lindsay and I was like, does anybody else feel like that movie just pole vaulted over so many lines? So anyway, I'm going to go with from hell, Johnny Depp, Jack the Ripper. Hmm, interesting. Maybe there'll be some of that soon. All right, so question number two is going to be, what horror movie were you afraid of as a kid? So, like, you heard about it, you wanted no part of it. Chad. Hellraiser, for me, Pinhead was always just this menacing figure and just 
creepy looking all over. You hear about the Cenobites. You don't even know what that is, but it's a, a word when you're younger that you're like, yeah, I, I don't want anything to do with this franchise. Now, I've gone back as an adult and watched them, but as a kid, I think he was probably the scariest of the monsters. All right. Russ? I hate to be one note about this, but it was Hellraiser. To me, I went in the rental store and I saw Pinhead on the cover of it. And that simple image of Pinhead's face, of the nails going into his face, that all white face and entirely black eyes. It was something that I kind of didn't want to stand and look at. But at the same time, every time I would go to the store, I kind of knew where it was and I'd like walk by it. So it's like that scary house on the street that you kind of walk by and you're like, kind of being brave just walking by it but the very thought of sitting down and watching that movie i thought that that had to be the scariest movie of all time and it, it is scary by the way he puts it all out there on display on the on the front of the box and so that's why uh when when the cover is that scary uh it, it was menacing to me so i'm gonna go with hellraiser no that's that's solid like many of my answers to this, this requires a little bit of a background story. When I was a kid, my grandmother's friend, Doris Johnson, was a an extra in the very beginning of Stephen King's Silver Bullet. And I remember watching the movie with my grandmother, and I was way too young for that movie. And I remember thinking, I probably don't need to watch anything like this again. And this is right around the same time that it was introduced. And to this day, I own the, the original movie it to this day. I have still never watched it. No, oh, man. So I have it. I haven't seen the remakes. It's one of those things that I'm like, I just need to do this. Like, what are you doing? But I have yet to ever watch it they're good yeah yeah that's that's my understanding (laughs) (laughs) i still say watch the original first if you get a chance just to uh appreciate it for when it came out and then go back and watch the new one i i think that's definitely the order that i would recommend it in oh sure well i mean I, i i own the original so i'll definitely watch that one first but yeah it's it's just been one of those things and I can appreciate like meme humor from it. I know enough about the book and you know, I, I understand the premise and everything like that. But at the time and then growing up, I literally was just like, I don't think I need that clown in my life. <laughs> Neither did the kids from Derry. I'll, I'll, I'm, not spo- I'm not spoiling anything by it, but uh, strap in. They're gonna throw it, they're gonna throw you right into things right away in that movie. so All right, all right. All right, so question number three. What horror movie did your spouse nearly kill you for making them watch? Yeah, I've I've shared this before, but I made my wife watch the movie Scream, and she doesn't like horror, period. But I've kind of dialed in, and Scream was the one that set it off, that the more realistic serial killing type slashers are the ones that keep her up so she woke me up in the middle of the night she was asleep and just goes ah (laughs) and sits straight up and she had had a nightmare basically about ghost face i'm up for a solid hour and a half with a heart rate of about 180 in complete fight or flight 
And uh, yeah, yeah, those types of movies set her off. She is fine with the supernatural. She's She thought paranormal activity was dumb. It's the more grounded, realistic slashers that just are big no-nos. Okay. Russ? Have you been nearly murdered by Mary? Well, I haven't been. Mary, Mary enjoys a lot of my movie tastes, and it's similar in horror. So if she were here right now, she would probably be seconding almost everything I'm throwing at you. And so when I said what movie truly chilled me at a young age, she got it later than I did. But she didn't grow up watching horror movies very much. And so it's something that we kind of had fun together. I think it's a good date movie thing. I mean, uh, scary movies are in general. I don't know if you guys agree or not. But like when you guys are scared, you have a tendency to cling on to your girlfriend or your boyfriend and uh, just ride the roller coaster together. And and so certainly one of the earlier horror movies that we started on when, you know, Mary would say, like, I don't really like horror movies. And I said, you know what? A lot of them are bad, but there's some really good ones out there, and which is identical to the pitch that my mom gave me a long time ago. <laughs> and I said, let's go do The Exorcist. And oh, man. Did I mention that it was skillfully made? Because in that, it's got a long start in, but boy, once things picked up, Mary said, I need to turn this off. I just can't. I can't. It's too much for me. <laughs> and like, she was a little bit like shaken, like, like uh, you could, she could see her quivering and we had to stay up for a while because it was, it was nighttime in college. It was definitely after 11. So we stayed up and I think we watched, uh, I think it was the Beverly Hillbillies on late night, like, you know, just like regular cable <laughs> TV and, uh, ate peanut butter crackers and uh, then went to bed. So uh, we had to have a strong palate cleanser and a good time before he went to bed. And years later, years later, she returned to it again. Uh, I want to say we were out of college at this point and she made it through and she said, that is absolutely terrifying. That was hard to get through, but it, my goodness, is that a good movie? Excellent. Excellent. My wife will never let me live this down. Uh, it is seriously to this day. I actually ruined dates for us for a while because we started off really strong. Like you were saying, I took her to a lot of horror movies. Our first date was, uh, 13 ghosts that, uh, that classic there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so we started off like really watching horror movies and then I took her to see the ring and she has yet to see a horror movie with me since. Uh, at one point, I almost got her to go see one, and then she found out that in it were more girls with dripping wet hair, and she was like, <laughs> nope, hard pass. So, yeah, uh, I have I, I don't think I've watched a horror movie with her since the early 2000s. <laughs> so it was, it, was an, it was a big one for the era, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think people were accustomed to being scared like that when that movie came out, so... To what you're saying, I think that was a common response at the time because I feel like I feel like the scares were starting to kick back up several notches at that point in time. Sarah was out on those. She just it doesn't do it for her. She doesn't find them scary at all. Hmm. Well, then we then we had Chad calling us after we get out of the movie. Seven days. <laughs> like, Thanks, Chad. You're welcome. Caller ID. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a thing in 2000. <laughs> I think it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, color ID. So yeah, yeah I mean, well, yeah, I w- called I me on my, rich, on my Nokia. For it. Yeah, my no, my Nokia did not have that plan. 
Oh, it's just if you save the number. The the caller ID part was was based on whether or not you were you were going in and creating a directory. I was gonna say I didn't even have a cell phone at that just point, but the house had caller ID. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's the three questions for this time around. So let's start talking about some horror. So we're gonna throw you guys a curveball too. We're gonna walk through the seventies, eighties, nineties, O's. And maybe at times talk a little bit about today, but mostly the 70s, 80s, 90s, and O's. And we're going to have a little bit of a debate about which decade is the best to the worst and this time for the horror genre because it's Halloween time. So I'm excited to get into this. So why don't we just start off with the 70s and let's just start by saying like 70s movies. Let's go at it. Brian, what do the 70s horror genre mean to you? Well, back in the 60s and 70s, uh, they were really making a transition from your classic horror, your Nosferatu kind of stuff, Frankenstein, to modern-day horror, which were basically more aggressive, ruthless killers, more of a focus on artistic style and societal themes. Uh, So you really got to see the transition between what was considered horror classic and what we now, I mean, obviously we've, we've gotten even more aggressive now, but this is where it started with that more aggressive feeling horror movie. I would venture to say that Alfred Hitchcock and uh, maybe some other movies like Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead in the, in the sixties, you start to see modern horror cinema emerge. Whereas everything before that in the fifties, I'm not saying it's not scary and there's some definitely some important stuff that leads up to that but i'm with you brian i think i think the 60s where stuff really stopped being like goofy or gimmicky or like you know fun house scary and started turning into that's downright unsettling and they're very mature scares and as you go into the 70s i think i think uh, the 70s in general is a time for adults it's not a good time for kids movies in general and these movies are really designed for adults and they're just like you said there's a sense of violence to them and grittiness to them in the 70s that as things go forward are maybe more fun in later decades but the 70s is down to business we're here to scare you is that a fair statement chad yeah i i mean i i think of the 60s with with psycho really starting it all but as far as the 70s go everything gets ratcheted up Uh, you're gonna have your top 10 to 50 horror movies of all time you're gonna see a lot of 70s representation absolutely so why don't we talk about a couple of hits for you so brian are there any things that represent the 70s horror scene to you well you first start getting your taste of Stephen King. Obviously, I went back and, and rewatched a lot of this much later after my, my Silver Bullet experience. But yeah, Stephen King steps onto the scene. We get to see basically the first swing at so many classic horror movies that now they are redoing like it's their job. So I feel like if imitation is the best form of flattery, it was a very, very flattering decade. And one of my all-time favorite horror movies, it's my number one out of my top ten for the 70s, is Alien. Absolutely love that movie. I I don't think you can do much better. I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, Alien, obviously, the series is 
definitely under the science fiction genre, but the first movie in particular by Ridley Scott, it it's a horror movie, isn't it, Chad? Absolutely. It's very much it learns from Jaws that actually came out the same decade. So Alien is a less is more approach. You don't see the xenomorph very often. It's more just popping quickly in and out of corridors and pipes and there's a let that let that suspense carry you. Yeah, I I it's my favorite in the franchise. I know a lot of people like Aliens. It's more action oriented, but the the sheer terror of Ridley in Alien is just that's my favorite. I'm with you on that. I'm with you in terms of people also say that Aliens is their favorite. And when I first saw Aliens, I was like, yeah, it is even better. I bought into that narrative. And I went back and Alien has a higher rewatch value for me. And it also, that again, that suspense that's in it. I think that's a trademark that what we're seeing in these 70s movies. Suspense is a big thing. I think Hitchcock told us that, you know, if I've got a bomb, that's not scary. But if I tell you under the table, I've got a bomb and I, and you don't know when it's going to go off, that's even scarier. That's suspense. And that's the power of suspense that Hitchcock was uh, telling us that. And I think he had made a ripple effect that carried us into the seventies. And you get a lot of novels and specific that where there's, there's character and there's suspense and buildup in these. And I think that's a big part of why the 70s movies are different than what we're going to see later as we go into the 80s. But suspense is a big part of it as well. So, And then also, for the most part, I'd say they a lot of them were made with lower budgets. And so it's interesting to see that this genre had constraints on them and that forced them to be clever with their camera work and limitations on what you could do technologically made them careful with what they show and what they don't show and i would argue the fear of what you don't see is always always going to be greater than the fear of what you do see i don't know if that's a fair statement brian yeah i think that's accurate um i think that there was a lot of uh new territory being pioneered here and um yeah absolutely it's going to be hard to beat this decade in terms of horror I, I'm with you. It's I'm I'm not I'm gonna show my hand here a little bit. I'm I admire the seventies. I don't have the depth and number of movies uh necessarily that I do later on. This is just a fact of, you know, more movies come out. When you grew up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it has to do with when I grew up and it has to do with the fact that more movies get released. So there are more movies being released in this decade in the twenty tens than there were in the nineteen seventies in general. So by default there will be more horror movies. So I think it's important to not only look at quantity but to also distill it down to quality. So, Chad, uh, what do you think? This is an era of suspense, character-driven development, and creative filmmaking for the most part. Well, that's true. For me, it's the introduction of the slasher. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacres. I, I feel like Halloween gets a lot of credit for the slasher, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre is where it all really started. And this movie just was a phenomena. Part of it was... They advertised it as based on a true story, and it's it's about as true as Jack and Rose on Titanic. But, <laughs> um, you know, people really bought into that, and just the sheer lechery of the family, the gruesome grittiness of it all, it, it really changed the tone, and 
set the tone for movies like Halloween to really perfect the formula. As we mentioned before, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses absolutely ripped off their whole story and redid it pretty much in a very bad way. <laughs> yeah. That's that's another one that, you know, it didn't it didn't bother me in any sort of psychological standpoint, but I just I felt gross after I saw that movie. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre, man, I I, I would say it's the most brutal movie even as we go even as we go into the 2000s you're going to start to see some shifts in in the way movies are made and you're going to see i think i'll go ahead and mention now the torture porn genre comes out i think in a way texas chainsaw massacre also gives rise to that because there's some scenes where it's just like oh man how do you not look away and so what i said what you don't see is always scarier than what you do see texas chainsaw massacre is just ugly it puts it in your face so oh yeah Yeah, and three years later, you get The Hills Have Eyes, which has another incredibly difficult scene to watch. And it doesn't shy away from it. Yeah, I I agree. The other one, I mean, you mentioned Jaws earlier. I count this as a horror movie. It it really scared people at the time. And that's also the rise of the summer blockbuster. So that's your first summer blockbuster. And it showed big box office returns for horror. You know, as Chad mentioned, Halloween as well. So it shows and lays the groundwork that this thing is going to be a big marketing thing. Horror movies go on to become a bigger thing because of what happened in the 70s. It was, uh, Jaws is my number two. Yeah, I, it's it's up there for me. So, uh, some Alien other, and Jaws. Yeah. Up the list. And then before we move on to the 80s, I just want to throw out some movies out there. Dracula, the Frank Langella version. The Omen, Wicker Man, Salem's Lot, Amityville Horror, Dawn of the Dead, Carrie, The Exorcist, Jaws, Suspiria, Halloween, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Brood, and Last House on the Left. Oh, Black Christmas. Yeah, the better yeah, I was, version. I was going to say, Chad's, gonna, Chad's going to complete all of these for me, I'm sure. So what, did, what did I leave out, Chad? Did you say Dawn of the Dead? Uh, yeah, I might not have left that one out. 78 Dawn of the Dead, so yes, as well. Yep, good, good but one uh, Black, Black Christmas, another great slasher. Not the remake, but the original. Yeah. So, uh, I think with that, should we move into the 80s? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so 80s come in. Politically, things change. You know, the, the dark times and coming off the Vietnam War of the 70s uh, melts away. There's a, there's a party time of the 80s that come in. There's an excessiveness. You see it in music and other forms of entertainment. And so there's a materialistic mentality to the 80s, and technology plays a bigger role than before. So... The 80s, what does that mean for horror, Chad? It it honestly gets a lot lighter in tone for the most part. Uh, You do see the rise of even more slasher franchises. So this is where Friday the 13th comes in. Nightmare on Elm Street. You also get the Evil Dead series. I don't know if I'd classify that as slasher, but you, you really start seeing Child's Play is another slasher franchise that comes in but there there's a lightheartedness to the chucky even when you hit the evil dead too it starts being a little cornier and they lighten up and of course you my favorite part of this is the rise of the creature features so you get gremlins you get critters those are just fun franchises stephen king gets in here with cujo uh, pet cemetery so you're seeing a lot of these uh, kind of 
science fiction oriented uh, creatures haunting people now. That's a good point. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, absolutely. Stephen King is hands down to horror what um, Nicholas Sparks is to romance. Oh, he he just writes it for the movie. (laughs) I think Stephen King is the backbone of the 80s scene here. Personally, I, I think it starts off with The Shining and that is just an amazing movie. A Pet Cemetery was another really great one on his part. Cujo, I mean, he was just rolling them out. And even later, like even his short stories were getting turned into movies with things like Cat's Eye. I think that one of the best movies in terms of suspense, and this goes kind of back to that alien piece, and it is in fact an alien in this one too, movie we've already done on the podcast is The Thing. It was one of the first horror movies that I ever really remember watching um, as a newer thing. I mean, it was made before I was born, but one of the ones that I made a, a you know point to watch uh, being such a big Alien fan. So, yeah, I just uh, they did a lot in that. I think that you get to see a couple of these movies where they really use weather to their advantage, more rural nature people out on an island or in the frozen tundra or something as in the shining and the thing. And I don't know, there's something about like Antarctic base horror where, where that sort of lost mentality really plays into that suspense factor. Yeah. Even with the evil dead, it's cabin in the woods. Right. Right. What I found interesting was really the science fiction influence now, you mentioned the, the thing, which is a very, uh, it's an extraterrestrial life. You've got critters, which are aliens. You've got the movie Aliens. Uh, and then you've got Predator. Yep, so Predator. You, you've got a lot of these more invasion. And keep in mind, folks, we had two former state, or uh, two future state governors. Yes. Good point. Uh, the Fly is another good science fiction one that you're getting into as well. Fly, solid. Oh yeah, solid. Yeah, another creature science fiction. I'll tell you, there's another. It didn't make my top ten, but it's an honorable mention from the '80s. I really enjoyed American Werewolf in London. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that was a fantastic one, and it's one that I feel like just doesn't get talked about very often. It's still probably the best transformation scene as far as a werewolf movie, and that includes the Howling series. Uh, I was just going to say, so that's a good example of why the advances in technology and movie magic, movie magic, uh, particularly through the rapid development of practical effects, is changing the way horror movies are made in the 80s. And I think, like you mentioned there, Chad, American Werewolf in London is the best example of this. You know, The Thing is another good example, too. So, Oh, yeah. And this features my favorite horror movie of all time, A Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's near and dear to my heart. You know, I was actually trying to think. I think Alien wins, but The Thing is, is probably a close second for my, for my favorite of all time. Uh, they, both, they both head up their uh, prospective decades as my number ones. Uh, I, I'm with... Uh, those are great choices, by the way. And... I just wanted to point out that Chad mentioned earlier, like the fun is starting to enter into this. And I don't know how you feel about this, Brian, but I feel like I can have a fun time with a horror movie like this, but it doesn't take me to that 
upper level. Like it'll lead me into that like three and a half star kind of area, but where it really resonates and like shakes you or uh, I guess truly scares you. I, I think I don't necessarily love that kind of whimsy or playfulness in my horror movies as much. And I can still have fun with them and I will enjoy them. But like, you know, like what were we talking about? The Thing, The Shining, Alien, The Fly, Pet Cemetery. These 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 movies get me. Whereas some of the other things like Nightmare on Elm Street or... Let me make a statement here and just tell me if you agree with this or not. Both of you. So I think that you can still enjoy a horror movie today. But as you go from 1970 to today, we are now starting in the 80s. We are walking into a point where... Horror movies are more take it or leave it. They lose a lot of that wow factor and they start becoming more mass produced and have less grip. And then even as you march in, and I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves or anything, but even as you march into the 2000s where let's make every movie as gory as we possibly can, like it, it just... I feel like there was a craft, like a Clive Barker, Wes Craven. There, there was a craft that was lost somewhere between 1990 and 2005. And they have kind of wandered on aimlessly as zombies after it since, if that makes sense. No, I'm with you. I think they're just so proud of their animatronics, their, you know, slime, their you know, latex foam creatures and, you know, the machinery and puppetry behind this stuff. So I think, I think that there's advances that you can appreciate, but it doesn't necessarily lead to a better movie. I think like you mentioned before, Fry, uh, the grip's not there because a lot of those movies from the seventies are taken off of novels. And again, Stephen, if you remove Stephen King from this, there's a depth that we're starting to lose with the movies in the eighties. And unfortunately that trend's going to continue going forward. Horror movies are, I mean, to your point earlier, they're immensely profitable when you don't have to spend a lot of money making them, for the most part. I mean, there are some big-budget horror movies, but especially some we're going to talk about later, they're made for pennies on the dollar and just the, the return you can get. And these 80s movies, man, you hit on franchise after franchise. Some of these get up to 10, 11, 12 movies. You've got Friday the 13th, Evil, Evil Dead, uh, they've made multiple Thing movies, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Critters, multiple Gremlins, uh, obviously Aliens is continuing, Hellraiser, Predator, Child's Play. These were movies that, you're right, they were mass, uh, they were profitable. Halloween sequels too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so we just, the 80s really got those franchises that could stick, and they stuck around for two decades yeah but i think there's such diminishing returns on those yeah absolutely i'm not saying that there aren't some gems out there because every decade has a few where you know it, it was worth seeing it and they probably did it right in terms of your your budgeting and piece but it's becoming harder to find those and i really lay all of this blame at the feet of screenwriters and directors for these films like, come up with something original, make it creepy, spend the time building the story, building the suspense. Don't just be like, and now a room full of death traps. 
Like it's just <laughs> it just doesn't do it the way they used to. Now it's more it's more that we can make you jump, we can startle you, but you can't shake me. Yeah, I think we'll talk about this more in the 2000s. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to go back to this, though. Stephen King is such a backbone of what's going on in the 80s. I mean, The Shining was amazing. You had Pet Cemetery was really good. The Dead Zone with Christopher Walken. You had Cujo. You had Christine with a John Carpenter movie. Again, that's a little more playful, but it's still, I, I like this one as well. Cat's Eye. I mean, he's all over the place. I mean, whereas they were running low on substance, Stephen King adds a lot of integrity to the 80s. It's an angry lamp monster. Ooh. <laughs> well, by later on, we're going to start to run out of uh, the run on fumes of Stephen King. And it's not going to again. <laughs> the, once he starts running on uh, the lower parts of his works, then the movies start to suffer, too. So, uh, yeah, there's things things later on, like Graveyard Shift and stuff like that. Um, and uh, thinner. Oh, man, those didn't go as well. So although Gerald's game recent movie, but turned out really well it was just a novella but the movie really translated so if you haven't checked that out go see gerald's game oh there there are some massacre films out there like they did a film for the langoliers i don't know if you ever saw that monstrosity no that was extra bad it may have been a made for tv movie but it was a stephen king novella uh secret window with johnny up yeah ouch uh but yeah yeah you can't make them all. They're not all movie-worthy. Okay. And the 90s is what is next on the list. And uh, people love this golden era of horror movies, don't they? This is this is what everybody champions is a wonderful time for horror. Is that right, Chad? <laughs> no. No, this is not uh, true. I will tell you that there are more 1990s bad horror movies that I love than any other decade like it was definitely it in the early 2000s there are some under the radar never talked about i'm i wouldn't even call some of them cult horror movies i love it's interesting that we're talking about the diminishing returns of slashers you're seeing them fizzle out here really bad uh, the hellraiser series is running on fumes uh child's play as i think we mentioned in last week's uh you know, episode on uh, Halloween H2 episode, uh, that that had become a parody of itself. The Leprechaun movies have come on board, and, I mean, this is another level of bad. It's it's a transitional time for horror because you're, you're they're realizing the 80s has run its course. We're about to go straight to VHS with these at this point. That's where they're going at this point. And uh, at the end of the decade, we start to see a light towards a new era but i i was joking before when i said this is a golden age uh there's a lot of bad remakes as well and this one's starting to come pop back up uh so some classics that ought not be touched uh like the haunting psycho children of the damned uh these are things that probably were better left where they were i could uh yeah very much chad what are your thoughts on some of the 90s things i mean everything you say is true but i i do enjoy some of the kind of remainder of the 80s creature features so we wind up getting tremors and arachnophobia in 1990 i do feel like they were trying a little more with a couple of the movies that came out so we get silence of the lambs and seven so these these are horror movies where it's a bit more artistic you're getting serious players involved so I, I feel like there there's some quality here. And of course, Scream, 
The 90s really start introducing referential horror. It's the first time where horror is truly aware of itself and even the tropes that it can get caught up in. Yes, and I think Scream obviously is the, I would say it had probably one of the largest impacts on on the air, like you said, that reference to other horror movies certainly comes part in Scream. And Scream's not a pure horror movie. In some ways, it's a parody slash homage to other horror movies. So it it's it does so many things at once. But it, Scream had a hard package to reproduce. We start to see this in other things like, again, Halloween H two O or I Know What You Did Last Summer. And there were this kind of superficial nature that starts to take over in the '90s, where it's like you're pushing a soundtrack with this, you're marketing the clothes they're wearing, you're using teen icons, and it's starting to feel uh, it's starting to feel very commercialized. And that's not shocking because music had become this way with the rise of the boy bands in the late 90s. And that is that has infected MTV, I'd think for the worse. And I don't think it does any favors for the horror genre through the mid late 90s until the very, very end, at which point, as you mentioned before, um, you know, Blair Witch Project, 99 starts to kind of be a shift in things and as well as the sixth sense becomes a shift in things again 99 so there's there's some good stuff here at the end well let's let's just discuss the beginning here for a minute because we do get some some gold in the early 90s with it uh silence of the lambs there are some tremors misery misery yeah so there 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 are some gems in the 90s all of all of those were in the first like 90 and 91 though everything we just mentioned Sure. And just to toss out a couple kind of uh, dark horses that I really enjoyed in the 90s, but uh, From Dust Till Dawn, oh, yeah. uh, R- Ravenous uh, was one of my favorite movies from the 90s. Uh, also, In the Mouth of Madness, Event Horizon. I will admit these are some ones that I need to see in here, and perhaps out of losing faith in some of the 90s movies, I haven't seen a lot of the ones that you're actually mentioning now. Oh gosh, they're they're great. I, I wanted to jokingly toss in Lake Placid and Troll Two. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Lake Placid and Anaconda and some stuff like that. Uh, these go under the like, whoa, this is not good, guys. I personally think Lake Placid is a comedy. I mean, you had Betty White in it cracking jokes. You had Oliver Platt in it cracking jokes. Like, I watched that movie and I think comedy with some alligator tossed in there. Huh. But uh, back to what we were talking about in terms of like the scream, know what you did last summer kind of piece. There were some under the radar, not for the time, but now films that I feel like get overlooked, like the faculty, disturbing behavior, the curve. All of these were those teen murder movies. And there were some really, really good bad ones out there. I was going to say, these aren't these aren't doing it for me, man. But you're saying so you're saying they're guilty pleasures then. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's if I see that on TV, I'm totally watching the faculty. I mean, that's that's one of the it scratches an itch. Again, I like the soundtrack. I mean, I I love Lane Staley and Tom Morello's Class of '99's uh, cover of "Brick in the Wall" and that. I think that was some great dark so, music in that. But I mean, Foo uh, Fighters on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, but I almost feel like some of these movies are literally pushing the soundtrack in this era, and the, obviously it's a marketing machine. It, you're the movie selling the the gear, the gear selling the movie, and I mean they had they had the mechanism rolling at this time. It was definitely a product of the late MTV run before the internet really changes everything. And I think that we see that late '90s, I guess again the excessiveness that we talked about in the '80s has in some ways returned for a window of the dot com bubble in the late '90s, and 
I can't say it does the horror genre any favors. Probably not. I I mean, there are movies from the 90s that I'll put up on a pedestal, and there are some that I just enjoy sitting in the grass with. Something that happens in the 90s in all movies is CGI starts to emerge. And Chad, does CGI in the early 90s or mid-90s, I should say, more so as it's emerging, what is the effect on the horror genre from CGI? I mean, not good things come from the the leprechaun. (laughs) Let's just put it out there. Uh, On Merman? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I looked to Japan for CGI. Like, CGI for The Ring was 1998. This was Japan's version, not the U.S. phenomenon Uh, that we talked about earlier. But, you know, that that was a solid improvement on the formula. But the 90s are always a tough era where it's just like, eh, should we? And when you return, you wind up with less than impactful CGI. I agree. I think think CGI... Uh, I think they advanced practical effects in the early 90s, and then by the mid-90s, I think they actually start entering some times where maybe you should have used practical effects, but you didn't. And like I mentioned earlier in the 70s, out of the restraint for what they couldn't do, they don't show things. In the 90s, you're continuing to see another level of gore that, you know, 80s started to show you the horror mechanism more, but in the 90s, I feel like they're just getting flat out dumb. And they're showing you far too much in many cases at this point. So uh, a subtlety has gone out the window. That's like why I mentioned like Ike 7. They're just showing you absolutely horrifying scenes. It's not necessarily like even as like there's mystery involved with that movie. But like, I mean, the, the element of horror comes largely through what they do and uh, what you're what they're seeing. What's in the box? <laughs> I mean, those are some of the biggest gross out scenes of any movie that I can think of. Those murder scenes that they go visit? Oh, man. Do you guys consider Seven a horror movie? Absolutely. I do because of what I just said. It's a mystery movie first, though. Okay. Because, like, I put that in, like, The Bone Collector with Denzel Washington and all of the different uh, James Patterson movies, like Long Came a Spider. I understand that, that Seven takes gore to a different level than those other ones. But, I, I mean, I would call it high suspense. Like, it, it's a thriller. Yeah, and I, I think, oh, I, I, did I mention this one on the remakes that shouldn't have happened? Night of the Living Dead? That's another one. Uh, Dracula from 92? That's another one that, a classic that, I, you know, some people hold that one up. And I I will go to bat for this is a bad movie. I, I think Fort Coppola misses the mark on this one. Some bad acting in it. I don't know. It just... I don't know. It, like I said, th- there are high points to be had in the 90s will come off as you'll say like, hey, there's some integrity here. You know, you have Candyman and uh, It and The Sixth Sense and Scream and Misery and there's some really good stuff in there. But I think you're starting to see the quant- the, the quantity turn to mush at this point and the quality is really few and far between at this point. So although I admit I have some homework to do here. Chad, what are some deep cuts from here that are good that we should know about? Uh, hasn't been mentioned yet, but the craft is really fun. Solid. Uh, I th- I think that that would be my go-to pick. Also, the basing movie for uh, the Ring was '98. Yep. The, the Japanese Ringu. Ringu. Yep. Ringu. I'm not sure how they pronounce that. I don't either. I've always said Ringu because it sounds fun to say it that way, but I actually don't know. I don't have any Japanese friends. I'm afraid if I try to pronounce it, it might come across as me making fun of something. Chad, any other last thoughts in the 90s? I would say Blair Witch Project was the most important movie of the 90s for horror because of the change that it starts to cause. Agreed. It's 
what I was talking about earlier with this low budget, very influential, makes a ton of money through literally just camcorders. Brian, what about you? You, you said uh, you had some top movies in the 70s and 80s. You said you had The Thing and Alien. Do you have a top movie from the 90s that you're that you're in love with here? Yeah, I'm I'm still putting it up on a pedestal here uh, just because it successfully kept me away from it for so long. I feel like some sort of due has to be paid to the fact that I still have yet to that I've actually gone out to purchase this film having not seen it this long and being a love being a fan of horror movies. I don't know how I don't put that as as number one overall because I'm still not watching it. Okay, for me, Silence of the Lambs it just goes to another level for me. Eating eating fava beans still scares me because of uh, of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, as far as influentialness, like I get what you're saying about Blair Witch, but in terms of people really taking that shaky cam style and running with it, I don't feel like a lot happened with that. Whereas if you take a movie like Scream, even though it's not starting a slasher genre, if you look at how much copying happened based on the success of Scream, could we not say that it's it's not influential as in its original, but it was influential as a spin-off bubblegum horror? I think the imitators weren't good, but I think I think Scream was influential, original, and very cool. So I, I'll go to bad for Scream and say it's not like the imitators. So Scream winds up being more influential in its in its immediate proximity. Like we we get I know what you did last summer and the the sequel to that. Uh, I still know what you did what last summer. And even in Halloween H2O we talked about this. You start getting in Scream influence, but Blair Witch we just see the influence of Blair Witch over and over in the 2000s. Really a resurgence of it later on in the 2000s. But yeah, I, I imagine we'll talk about that very shortly. Yeah, yeah. And so why don't we go into this? Again, the Blair Witch is a great turning point for us. So why don't we turn with the Blair Witch and go into the 2000s? So the 2000s, you know, this this is a decade of, you know, September 11th happens early in the decade. And it changes people's outlooks so much across the board in so many ways it really did affect us there's a there's an insecure feeling and i think that that is a sobering moment in society and i think that similarly horror movies start to respond to that too i mean they're back to scare you for the first time i think the idea of we're here to have fun like that chad had mentioned that carried through the 80s and i think is trying to be there in the 90s i it's leaving the the, the 20s is back and down to business is that a fair statement? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you start off the 2000s with one of my kind of favorite hidden gems is What Lies Beneath. But The Ring really kicks off. And like Brian spoke about earlier, for a lot of us that were in high school at the time or even younger, this was a watershed movie for us. It was This was the big horror movie of our time. Yeah, and, and like with Ring You in the 90s and The Ring in the two, uh, 2000s, one of my favorite 2000s horror movies was Let the Right One In, which later gets remade uh, in the 2010s. Oh, that was such a good movie. And Chad will, Chad will come back and say it's not a good movie. I can't overstate my anger at that even being on lists. I loathe that movie and everything it represents. The remake or the original? The original. 
Russell recommended it to me and I stopped talking to him for almost a month. I, I, wow. I was just unobservant and didn't notice. I thought, I don't know. I thought we were both just busy. So uh, that's what happens with wow. silent treatment with me. This happened actually. This happened. I had a friend who's like, I didn't talk to you for two weeks. I was like, you didn't? He goes, yeah. Didn't you remember? I was like, when was this? He goes, you don't remember? I was like, I didn't. And he goes, mm. <laughs> he was so, he was so amazed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like you didn't notice i was giving you the silent treatment i was like i did not i thought you were just busy maybe i i'm sorry we're still friends <laughs> I, I value your friendship <laughs> nice yeah so anyway uh yeah i guess chad silent treatment me as well and i might not have noticed so i, I i'm sorry <laughs> uh, um uh but yeah, the 2000, 2000s, uh, M. Light Shyamalan follows up Sixth Sense with The Village. And, uh, you know, The Grudge is another one early on. And 28 Days Later in 2003, things are changing. And again, the intense scares are actually coming back. Chad, I think you used the term to, with me once. He goes, oh, you like to be challenged with your horror movies. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I don't particularly, this is going to make me sound like a Neanderthal, but I... I don't like movies where you have to sit there and think and wonder and just, I want camp teenagers in tropey stereotypes getting murdered and I want to have fun with that and I want to see them killed in unique ways. That's what I'm here for. I'm going to take out all these popular late movies and I'm sorry people, I just have poor taste apparently, but The Witch. The witch was incredibly boring. Wait, 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 wait. That's the, oh, that's, that's the 2010s. Let's table that. It's Chad's turn to get booed. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. But these types of movies, I don't, I don't care for. That's okay, and I think that's probably going to frustrate you then, because I think some, some of these are becoming more cerebral. Another really good one that was uh, cerebral was uh, Saul. Uh, Saul again, like Halloween, was uh, another level of good from the other movies that it later spawned as imitators. Saul was a good mystery movie. It was suspenseful. It it really threw you for a trip. Like you didn't know what was going to happen, and when it did, my mind was blown a little bit led to other things like Hostel and what are some of the other torture porn series uh, that came out as a result of this Chad that I don't like as much just Hills Have Eyes remake yeah yeah anything by Eli Roth but or you can really toss Rob Zombie in there Devil's Rejects um House of a Thousand Thousand Corpses Corpses. yes yes what's the what's what's the one with the the blonde dreadlocks girl and the I'm blanking on the name of it outside of his remakes it was his last non-remake movie uh, oh, God, I, that's gonna kill me. All right now, keep going. I did find it interesting though that you kind of see the resurgence of the zombie movie. Oh yeah, the two thousands were huge for zombie resurgence. Yeah, twenty eight days later, twenty eight weeks later, Shaun of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Zombieland, and all of these are great, great movies. Yeah, I think another interesting thing we're talking about, characters are starting to come back in these. They're not paper-thin premises anymore. And so, again, the village has a very good story to tell. 28 Days, it's it's a very emotional thing. They make you connected to these characters. It's not just that there's zombies running around. There's people involved at the center of it. The Descent is one of those things that's very suspenseful. Ooh, good. Yes. Yeah, and, and again, it's what you don't see is returning. I feel like some of the craft 
in movie making. Again, Chad, I know you said you're like you're one for just let's go slash them up, but I get excited for some of these that are really crafty. I I had issues with the mist, uh, which is a one that we talked about early in our show, and go check that episode out. By the way, a Stephen King movie, no less, that came out in 2007. That's a movie that's very character driven. I like to see the return of craft and the return of characters in the 2000s. So torture porn aside, I I like a lot of the trends that we're starting to see here, and I no better example than let the right one in after i saw the first saw movie i pretty much left the rest of that genre be not because saw bothered me in any way but i just sort of saw the direction that that was going and after i saw house of a thousand corpses i just that's what i don't need from horror i don't need to be shocked at the way people can be killed and i'd really want to qualify that as in that way like that's I like crafty killings. Like the Final Destination series was big for me. I loved seeing these odd ways that death is coming for these people. You made a point earlier, Russ, about the the craft here. One of my favorite 2000s horror movies is The Others. Yeah. I don't know this one. Yeah, that's a very good one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Yeah, 2000s is is a weird decade really because it it doesn't really feel like it knows what it wants to be it's got everything Uh, i look at trick-or-treat which is an anthology slasher i i do really enjoy trick-or-treat it's one of my favorite newer movies Uh, wrong turn is another franchise style slasher there are going to be seven of these Mm -hmm. there are going to be cheaper cheaper creepers Yes, Cheapers Creepers. But then you've got zombie movies, then you've got Saw and Hostile, you've got Exorcism of Emily Rose, and then all the Blair Witch influences. You've got Wreck, Cloverfield. Paranormal Activity, we didn't mention that one. Yep, Paranormal Activity. Can we talk about Cloverfield for just a hot second? Sure, absolutely. I can't tell you how disappointed I've been in the shotgun scattering of loosely affiliated movies that have followed that. I love the first Cloverfield movie. I wish they had put more time, energy, and money into developing a franchise off of that one. That's always been a, that's always, I've enjoyed everything I've watched around it. I'm just saying like, it's not timely. It wasn't timely when they made them. And it's, it's a shot shotgun smattering of of timeline too talking about what happens where i really hated the third cloverfield movie uh paradox but but 10 cloverfield lane man that is a movie that i feel like a ton of people missed and they need to go see it yeah that was one of the more entrancing performances that i've watched i was riveted the entire time and i loved it Speaking of John Goodman, this might have been a 90s movie I missed, but this just reminded me of it. What's the one with him and Denzel Washington? They're chasing a killer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I don't. Right. The movie the movie I was trying to think of was called Fallen. Fallen. Okay. I, I don't know that one. John Goodman. Absolutely watch it. I loved it. For me in the 2000s, though, uh, just to cap it off, uh, Dr- Drag Me to Hell, this is the triumphant return of Sam Raimi from the Spider-Man franchise, Back to Horror, and Sam Raimi was the Evil Dead, so I was so thrilled to see him come back to horror, come back to his roots, and he obviously just has a lot of fun coming back to it. I'm with Brian on this one, I just want to see a continuation of characters and suspense. 
if you do those two things, you're going to make me happy. And I do like the art house side of things too. So sure, wow me and dazzle me with uh, a creative way of presenting the things that we've seen before. I'm okay with not reinventing the box, but if you present it to me in a really fresh manner uh, and you have great style, uh, again, like Kubrick and The Shining did back in the 80s, I mean, I'm, I'm on board. Like, let's go for that ride. So I'm optimistic. Like I said, the 2010s was great. Let's rank, let's rank the decades. You know, Brian, let's, let's let you go first here. Worst to best. Let's walk us through the decades. Um, I'm going to drop the nineties as the worst, which hurts me because there's, there's a lot there to love, but there's a lot there to cringe at too. No, that's, that's very fair. Where do you go from there? I'm going to follow that up with the eighties. There's there's some stuff in there. One of the things we kind of glossed over when we talked about the 80s was we didn't really go with some of the misses. Like, and there are some. I mean, there's some there's some pain in the 80s horror too. But I would put 80s and 2000s probably about the same level uh, with the 80s. Their highs are higher, but I think think that some of their lows are lower also. That's really well put between the 80s and the 2000s. I also have a tight race between those two. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. And then uh, follow it up by kind of where I, direction I've been going this whole talk is the 70s are, are, are winning. If you were to put the 2010s in, where would you slide them in? Uh, uh, granted that you reserve the right to change your mind in 10 years. I have not done my due diligence on a lot of the mainstream horror that has come out in the 2010s. I've seen more of the movies that that Chad's not too fond of, uh, <laughs> but I feel like I have to do more of an all-encompassing view because everything I have seen, I have really liked. So I would probably put it second right now, but I haven't watched enough to not like it yet. That's very fair. That's a that's a nice asterisk you put on it as well, Chad. Uh, do you want to go next? Sure. I I think I'm going to agree with Fry as far as throwing the 90s under the bus. Uh, I think they've got to be they've got to be last for me, just because I love Scream, but there's really the Silence of the Lambs is great, Candyman is good, but you start struggling after that. For me, after that, I think it's going to be the 2000s. I I don't dig a lot of what happened in the 2000s. There are some great gems. I like some of the funniness about it, but I just don't feel like there was that movie that really sticks out of, this is a horror movie classic. Go see it. So you don't think uh, Paranormal Activity or Saul would be there? I'm not even going to try and push, let the right one in on you, but like... Uh... Do you don't think one of those two might might reach those levels? I don't think I'm going to push Saw on most people, to be perfectly honest. Um, the Ring, I, I would recommend, but I just don't feel like there's enough. Because I have a choice of four, and when you start looking at the iconic movies of the 70s and the 80s, it just can't compare. Okay, so where do you go from the 2000s? I'm going to go to the 70s gonna differ with you guys yeah it's got the exorcist texas chainsaw jaws halloween dawn of the dead and alien yeah all of these are just great and this is no knock on the 70s but for me for my favorite movies 
they lie in the 80s. I love Gremlins. I love uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Critters, all of the goofiness that kind of comes with the 80s along with the horror. Evil Dead is just great. Poltergeist, the thing. The 80s is just the golden era for slashers. It has creature features that I love. So that's that's the era for me. Okay. And I think a lot of true horror enthusiasts at our age group or a slightly older would totally agree with you. And there's a lot of people out there who are really glad that you're representing them tonight, Chad. So I'm glad you took up took up the uh, that mantle. I'm very close to you guys. I, I, you can correct me if I'm saying your exact ones. I'm going to go with the 90s and last. I think you guys have stated it well. There's a lot of bad stuff. There are some high points, but not nearly as many, and they're not nearly as high. And there's a lot of bad stuff to sift through. Just a weak era. Uh, 2000s, uh, I'm going to go with next. And I was really struggling, like Brian, to go 80s or 2000s. I feel like the 2000s overall is stronger. There's more integrity, and the low points are... There's some disposable bad low points in it, but I feel like there's less there's less failure in the 2000s, whereas in the 80s, the high points are so high and they're really good. And I think that you're I think they're advancing on the visuals of the 70s in a way that I think things are really clicking uh, for a lot of it. I mean, Poltergeist and uh, the Fly, Alien, the Shining, the Thing and Hellraiser and American Werewolf in London. I just uh, Day of the Dead was really good, too. Uh, Halloween 2 was a, we didn't mention that as being an, uh, for a sequel that is an excellent horror movie on its own right Dead Zone just there's so many good high points that I'm going to pick the 80s over the 2000s and it's neck and neck after that I'm going to go with the 70s as the best and again if you were to take my top 10 horror movies I think they are they are really taking a lot of the top spots especially as we're looking to cut out the things that went pre-70s uh, the 70s really, really is going to stand up as, uh, you know, the heavy, the, the weight is there. And I haven't even seen as many of them. So uh, I've admittedly probably seen fewer flops because the bad ones, by this point, you don't watch them from the 70s. So it's a little bit of revisionist history when you don't see the failures that came out of the era. But I can tell you this much. The high points outweigh the high points of any other decade for me. So, yeah, go watch Barracuda and get back to me. <laughs> I'm okay. That, that that and like I said, I'm fully acknowledging the bad stuff from the '70s has fallen behind, and we won't. That we're putting rose-tinted glasses on to some degree. And if I were to insert the tens, I would put them in in second place. I, I I'm like Fry. I've got some homework to do. It takes me a couple of years to really get caught up, and as well as to let it ruminate and uh, decide for sure. So I, it's, and it's with an asterisk that I say if I had to place it, it would be second. So I'm almost next to Brian. I think I have the 80s and 2000s swapped. Yeah, the, my issue with the 2010s and why I don't know that I'd rank it that high is will it stand the test of time? I feel like Conjuring will be there, but are there going to be those horror movies that are just held up or... Or are we just having fun right now? I I really like a lot of what I've seen out of the 2010s, but I, I just don't see them becoming classics or mainstays. I, I'd love to see Peach Fuzz as a, a villain become you know, a Jason or Freddy, a Leatherface, or any of these icons of horror, but I just don't see it. I don't think it needs to spawn that kind of franchise. And while The Conjuring certainly has done that, but I think Babadook and It Follows and The Witch are definitely going to 
be watched in 30 more years or 30 years later from now. So I think, I think you are getting some of those long lasting ones, but you're right. Time will tell. Yeah. I'd love it follows to, I, I'd like the franchise treatment or at least another movie. I really, that was a breath of fresh air. I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you guys for coming in here and doing this uh, last minute notice. Next time though, let's pick a movie for next time. What do you want to say? Let's do it. Sounds good. So next time we're going to, we're going to be all over the map here with some horror movies. It's going to be Halloween time. So this one's going to take a little bit from each decade. So in keeping with the theme of this show. So option number one, Lost Boys from 1987. After moving to a new town, two brothers discover that the area is a haven for vampires. Option two, The People Under the Stairs from 1991. Two adults and a juvenile break into a house occupied by a brother and sister and their stolen children. There they must fight for their lives. Option three, Drag Me to Hell from 2009. A lone officer who evicts an old woman from her home finds herself the recipient of a supernatural curse. Desperate, she turns to a seer to try and save her soul, while evil forces work to push her into a breaking point. So, Chad. I am so excited for everyone. This is one of my favorite newer movies, so I've got to go with Drag Me to Hell. Okay, Drag Me to Hell it is. So, guys, thank you so much. This was fun to do on a short notice, and I hope the listeners out there liked it, too. Let us know what decade you like the most, and tell us why we're wrong. If you love 90s horror movies, stand up for them. Tell us what you like about them. If uh, we've overrated the 70s, explain. Settle the debate for once and for all. Is Let the Right One In a good movie or not? So. Oh, I'm going to lose this one in a landslide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank you, Russ. Thank you, all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Those ratings really help the show more than anything. It's the number one source of podcasts, and so that helps other people come up in the searches, and that's the biggest thing you can do to help the show. Uh, Also, give us proper ratings on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. We want to engage with you, and this is one of the best places to do it. We'll put out the show that we're doing each week, and that's a great opportunity to be for you to comment on the show and have some fun follow us on twitter at at movie underscore retro and email us at retro movie roundtable at yahoo.com if you want to go into more depth or if you want to be on the show yourself as always thank you for listening be good to each other and watch more movies brian it's lonely being a cannibal tough making friends